and obeisances to all the Vaishnavas. Thank you so much for coming. Discuss a little bit of Srimad Bhagavatam as a change. And also, I wanted to introduce all of you to the nectar of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, sometimes when we just read Bhagavad Gita, it's filled with so many deep, meaningful, philosophical conclusions regarding our true spiritual nature. It's interesting that the great sages, in trying to convey transcendental knowledge to humanity, that transcendental knowledge is generally it's presented by the Supreme Lord himself. And when he presents it, it's generally in codes. And those codes are shruti. It needs to be unpacked because it's so concentrated. It's like in Bhagavad Gita, when we read a verse sometimes, there's so much knowledge in there. Without the help of the spiritual master, it's, we can't even begin to penetrate into the meaning. So the great sages over the millennia have, have presented spiritual knowledge for the upliftment of mankind in a way that's more consumable. They've packaged, packaged it for us. That packaging in recent history has been presented by Srila Vyasudev. And he had, prior to the recent age of mankind, imagine a time when mankind's intelligence and brain was so sharp that simply by hearing a subject once, they could understand and retain that knowledge. Imagine that. Prior to this age of mankind, there was no need for written knowledge. Rewind 5,000 years. Prior to that 5,000 years, I know to do that difficult for us in the Western mindset because animals that have evolved, and that's it's not the right conclusion. Actually, we're devolving is the understanding that we have from the Vedas. Prior ages of man before 5,000 years ago were so sharp that they did not need to write anything down. They heard it once, they retained it, they could repeat it. They understood it. Not only did they hear it, not only was it gyan, knowledge, but it was the gyan. They realized the conclusion from their teachers. Unfortunately, this is a fallen age of mankind and in order for, for the benefit of humanity in this present day and age, the Vedas were written down. And in writing down the Vedas, Srila Vyasadeva, he'd written down, he'd written down those codes we talked about, the Shruti, he'd written down all those codes. And in conveying this, that knowledge, he wasn't satisfied. He didn't feel content. Srila Vyasa went to, went to his teacher and he said, I've written down the Vedas, but my, my heart still feels vacant. I don't feel I've done all that I can for humanity. His spiritual master said, well, you need, to, you need to repackage the information. You need to write a mature commentary that people can easily understand. Srimad Bhagavatam is that mature commentary on the Vedas. He also gave us the Mahabharata. And in the Mahabharata, we have the dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna, which is Bhagavad Gita. 
So he also gave us that. In fact, that literature, Mahabharat, which is a historical account of the life of the Pandavas and the dynasty surrounding that their life, that is considered the fifth Veda. So, the... The Mahabharata itself is? Yes. Okay. And the current Acharyas even consider the Mahabharata more significant than the Vedas. Why do they do that? Why do they consider it more significant? Because it's more easily and readily accessible to our modern mind. What are we attracted to? What attracts us? What attracts us is history or current history. What's the biggest industry? One of the biggest industries in entertainment. Well, that's, yeah, that's also become an entertainment of late. Yes, you're right. <laughs> the entertainment, we all like a good story, whether it be in a book, whether it be on the, on the stage in the form of a play, whether it be on the film. We all like a good story. And we relate to a good story. In fact, we like the stories so much that we use those stories to escape our miserable lives, don't we? In modern society, we go, we turn on the TV, first thing in the door, out from work. At the end of the day, the majority of the population of the planet flips on the one-eyed fella in the corner, the one-eyed guru, and starts. (laughs) And if you're not watching it, you're listening to it. If you can't watch it, then you plug something in your ear and you walk around and you're entertained. So at every time we, and what's those, what are we entertained by? Those little stories. Ah, the love that I almost had, the love that I lost. One story after another. It's either a story in this form or that form. The great sages saw and used that to their benefit. Well, they didn't need any benefit. They're already self-realized. They used it to our benefit. They took our desire to hear good stories. And used to it was a little more cultured. Now it's become a little less cultured. Used to the hearing was based on, all the plays were based on significant events in history. If you look back, if you go back, you know, two, three, five hundred years, all the plays, they used the, the theater as a political platform to say something about the leadership or the king or they do it in some veiled way and the king's up to hanky-panky. So they're, they're showing, you know, on the, on, the, on the, you know, with the puppets or they're up there. They're, they're getting the story across. Now, as we've advanced in Kali Yuga, it's become more and more. Now we make up stories. We don't know, we no longer base what we watch It's what the entertainment industry now, they just sit down with a bunch of writers. Like here we have some, we could sit down, us, and we could say, let's come up with a a sitcom. What do you want it to be about? Well, let's see. How about a carpenter and his wife uh, and uh, their uh, ex-brother-in-law that, uh, you know. Now, before, everything was based on on history. You've got a good idea. Let's explore that. That's your business. (laughs) <laughs> you used to be in this business, so. So now we, we also have that tendency, but now we're, it's not used for, for political purpose. It's not used to convey history in the way it was before. It's more just uh, whatever comes to your mind, write it down. And if you, can find, if you can sell the screenplay to somebody, and if they have some 
You're in another dimension, far, far away. And the words are rolling over the screen and you're now in another world that's been created in the mind of some writer. And George Lucas has taken you to his world. <laughs> and now you're Annika Skywalker and uh, Yarth Veda. <laughs> really? That wasn't just yesterday? <laughs> Similarly, the great sages have used this same form to present knowledge to us, but the topmost knowledge. And Vyasadeva, being content in just presenting the codes, went to his spiritual master. His spiritual master said, if you give them the essence, take off the cream. Let's get to the Let's get to the heart of the matter and give the heart of the matter to humanity at large. If you give them that, then your heart will be satisfied. He took the order of his spiritual master to heart and he gave us Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is the mature commentary on the Vedas, on the Vedanta Sutra. This is the cream the la creme. This gives us the heart. What I wanted to do was give you an overview from the very beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam and draw you into this story. This one literature, if taken on a daily basis, will liberate you from all the sufferings and anxieties of material existence. This book is that powerful. Is it just one book? No, it's all these. <laughs> I thought of like many books. It's this set of books you see at the bottom shelf here. Yeah. He's including all those in all the book. books. Or this one book. book. <laughs> it's only 18,000 verses. <laughs> right? Is that right? 18,000 verses. Yes. Wow. That's all. So, Srimad Bhagavatam. What's it about? Srimad Bhagavatam is about six subjects. There's six primary subjects provided in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Srimad Bhagavatam teaches us those subjects through recounting narrations of conversations between a student and their teacher. There are narrations within narrations within narrations. I don't know how deep it goes in Bhagavatam. There, it sometimes goes really deep. I heard from so-and-so this. And my spiritual master said that he heard from so-and-so that story and this story. So all these stories, these, these narrations are there. We'll start with those six subjects. Six questions that the sages... Srimad Bhagavatam begins at the beginning of this age of mankind. 5,000 years ago. The narration begins 5,000 years ago. A group of sages have gathered together in hopes of performing a sacrifice because they're so intelligent that they know this is not going to be a good time for mankind. And they're sages, they're great saintly persons. They only want what's best for society, for humanity at large. To them, the best way to accomplish that is by performing a sacrifice. Let me do good for humanity by becoming pure myself. And we see this in all religious traditions. We see sometimes these great sages 
even sacrifice themselves on the altar for the benefit of mankind. If we look at the tradition of religion in this Western world, we worship a personality who put himself on an altar and said, I will die for all of you. Nail me up and let me die. I'll take all of your sins so that you can start a fresh spiritual life. Isn't that the whole teaching? Let me die for your benefit. The problem is <laughs> we have such a cheater's mentality. Well, if he's willing to die once for him, maybe next Saturday I can go in and say, could you do that again? <laughs> what about next Saturday? <laughs> oh, let's just make that a habit. Once a week, I'll come in and I'll tell you everything I've bad I've done and you can just hang there forever and suffer for me so that I can do whatever damned foolish thing I want for my selfish enjoyment in this world. Not the right conception. I mean, we love our children, but if repeatedly again and again and again, they simply take advantage of us, at a certain point, there's the door, bye-bye, you're on your own. Of course, the Lord's in our heart. We're never fully on our own, but at a certain point, he's going to make you think you're on your own, and you're going to have to start suffering for your activities. He'll accept them. He'll take every sin away in a heartbeat, in an instant. He can do that. He's God. His saintly people are have the same potency. He gives them that ability. I can take them away in an instant. If after you've fallen on the mercy of the court and begged forgiveness for that heinous crime, the judge will say, okay, it's your first offense. Go your merry way. But if the next week you're in the courtroom again, he's going to have second thoughts. These great sages, they came together, they wanted to know. They wanted to perform a sacrifice. They wanted to do what was best. And amongst them, they picked out the most advanced personality. That personality's name was Sutta Goswami. They posed six questions to Sutta Goswami. I'm going to relay those questions to you. This entire work of Srimad Bhagavatam aims to giving you and me and humanity at large a clear and simple understanding of the answers to these six questions. If we in our lifetime can understand these principles as Srimad Bhagavatam presents them and these answers and understand them fully under the directions of a guru who knows our life will become perfect. Question one. Well, the first one's pretty easy. They asked Sutta Goswami. What is the most beneficial? What is the most beneficial thing that we can do for humanity? What's most beneficial for humanity? It's a pretty simple question. Number two. Tell us who have faith. They have faith. In other words, that's what Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita too. If you want to understand, it begins with faith. The essence of all the scriptures by which the intellect is pleased. Of all the different religious teachings that are available to mankind, what's the essence? Third question. You should tell us who desire to hear. Not only do they have faith, 
They have a desire to hear. The purpose of the Lord's appearance from Devaki. And they refer to that Lord as Krishna. It's a name for the Supreme that means all attractive. Number four, describe the pastimes. And that's what we were talking about. We all want to hear a good story. So can you tell us what did the Lord do when he appeared here? And could you tell us of all the different times that he appeared, both in full and in part? What that means is sometimes God comes and displays his full energy. Hmm? Opulence. Opulence. And sometimes he just shows us a little bit, kind of based on what we can take. I've used this analogy you cannot go in and teach the highest principles of mathematics, like quantum physics, to a second grader. The Supreme Lord also, he has to teach us according to our situation within the material world. Therefore, we find all this Puranic, the Purana knowledge is presented to mankind according to their involvement in the modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. What you would teach somebody in ignorance is not the same as somebody in passion and somebody in goodness. Bhagavat is different from that. It's the essence. It's the cream. It's not presented according to your, our situation in within the modes of material nature. Well, how is that? It's because seeing our unfortunate condition in this age, the great sages have gave, given us, Krishna himself has given us as Lord Chaitanya, a great, I don't know, how do I want to word this? He's made it so that everybody can come to the topmost understanding in spite of our disqualification. Generally, to make advancement, you need to, you know, it's according to your qualification. According to the level of your intelligence and your advancement from the mode of ignorance to passion to goodness, you could be trained in spiritual knowledge. Kali Yuga doesn't put that constraint upon us, freely distributed to us, who have no qualification. That's the significance of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu and that significance... We'll study those books after we finish these. That's called the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And those teach us how to really get, get down to being more of a pure devotee. But let's study Bhagavatam first. Five, explain all the different stories, leelas, of the various avatars. So the Lord comes according through time, the Lord appears according to the mentality and the ability of, of people to perceive him. And he comes in different incarnations. Those incarnations are all the same Supreme Lord. Being God, he appears differently to different people according to their capacity. And six, tell us the shelter of Dharma now that Krishna has departed. Just to put it, give you a little history, historical perspective, this literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, has appeared 
to humanity after the Lord disappeared. He was personally here 5,000 years ago in his complete form as Bhagavan Sri Krishna. In all of his opulences, everything was on display. When Krishna disappeared, he manifested again in Srimad Bhagavatam. So the verse I want to go over with you this evening is one that a lot of devotees you'll hear, maybe if you hear a class on tape or go to a temple of the Hare Krishna movement, you will hear them chant this. Uh, I also chant this generally before reciting Bhagavatam, and I wanted to, to go over it. The verse goes as follows. Nasa priyeshu abhyeshu nicham bhagavata sevaya bhagavat yutama sloke bhaktir bhavati naistiki. Nasta, nasta priyeshu. Nasta means destroyed. Priyeshu, almost to nil. Abredeshu. All that that is inauspicious. Nicham, regularly, Bhagavata, Srimad Bhagavatam, this literature, or the pure devotee, Sevaya, by serving. Bhagavati, unto the personality of Godhead, Uttama, transcendental, topmost, Uttama. Sloke, prayers, slokas, Bhakti, loving service, Bhavati, comes into being, Naistiki, irrevocable. Nasta priyeshu abhyeshu, Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya, Bhagavatyutama Sloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naistiki. Translation By regularly hearing the Bhagavatam and rendering service unto the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is practically destroyed. And loving service unto the glorious Lord, who is praised with transcendental songs, is established as an irrevocable fact. This is the beginning of Sutta Goswami's instructions to those sages. And he's explaining the significance of hearing these different narrations by the sages of the different activities of people who are on the spiritual path. So we find throughout this great literature, many people wanting to advance spiritually. Many people wanting to advance materially. Many people in distress. Many people in all kinds of situations. We're more familiar in this class to that one narration to one person by the Supreme Lord himself. And that one person was a fighter on a battlefield. And in that narration, the distress of that individual war, warrior was mitigated. And he was able to advance himself and understand the significance of life. What's his material life? What's his spiritual life? How the living entity comes into contact with material nature? How the living entity... So much knowledge is there in that one narration of Bhagavad Gita. 
that we could read it repeatedly again and again and again and still not come to the end of the understanding of Bhagavad That's That's the nature of transcendental knowledge. It's always fulfilling to us. We could read Bhagavad Gita through our whole life or lifetimes and still there's more for us there. Srimad Bhagavatam is full of situations where different individuals are confronted with different circumstances in their lives whereby they come into contact with pure, unalloyed spiritual direction. Somehow or other, throughout this literature, which is the cream of all the Vedas, all these different narrations relate to those individuals who have come into contact with the purest, untainted spiritual knowledge and how that knowledge has affected them and the results upon them of that knowledge. Srimad Bhagavatam has 12 cantos. Those cantos, step by step, reveal to us the essence not every single thing, but the essence of this verse gives us a glimpse. It gives us a glimpse of the great power of this literature. By regularly hearing, regularly hearing, what's that mean, regularly hearing? Daily. Daily's good. Yeah. Weekly's good. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while it's not as good, but it's still good. <laughs> Once a year on Thanksgiving, <laughs> needs to be a little bit more than that. By regularly hearing the Bhagavatam and rendering service, but that doesn't mean this is bad. And rendering service unto the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is practically destroyed. And loving service unto the glorious Lord who is praised with transcendental songs is established as an irrevocable fact. What's always thrown me off in this verse, there's one thing there. If this literature is the Lord in this age, then why is it practically? Well, where's the rest of it? What do I have to do to get the rest? Verse 18. Let's talk about that. It's a little bit deep, but we've been here for a while, so there's some <laughs> deep knowledge in this room. Bhagavata Sevaya means by service to the devotees of Bhagavan. Bhaktivedanta's purport, he mentioned service to the devotees. That's like our service to the book Bhagavat and service to the person Bhagavat. Both of these are good for us. And service too, such as hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam. By serving the devotees and Bhagavatam, the major portion of Nama Aparads, Abrayeshu, remember that word from the verse? Nastapriyeshu, Abrayeshu, Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya. Become weak. What is what is a Nam Aparad? What's a Nam? Yeah, Nam means name. Like Nama Chintamani. The gemstone of the holy name. The weaking of Aparads continues to the stage of Rati, Bhava. Naistiki refers to Nista, where the mind can easily concentrate on the Lord. When the Anarthas 
are for the most part destroyed, the devotee attains the stage of Nista. I'll explain this just simply. We're not going to go. This gets very deep. But this philosophy of Krishna consciousness, the knowledge of the Bhagavat, is the science of self-realization. And just like in any science, there's a progression in our understanding. And there's also a progression in the purification of our life till we reach loving perfection. It would be nice, and it's not totally unheard of, but it would be nice if the day when we make the determination that, my dear Lord, from this moment forward, I surrender every particle of my being to loving you. And in a snap of the fingers, from that moment onward, we were all situated in pure, loving bliss in that exchange with God. That happens, but not very often. Why? Well, mankind, we have four basic defects. In coming to this world of exploitation, where everything that we do here is to satisfy me, 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 I, me, mine. We've become pretty adept at that work from lifetime to lifetime, where everything that we experience in life is in relationship to me and my pleasure. That's our nature in this environment. We have four defects because of being involved in this exploitative nature. This external energy of the Lord where the Lord said, well, if you want to be God, you can't be God. I'm God. Sorry. <laughs> Position's already taken. But if you want to think you're God and want to try to enjoy like me, I'll give you a sandbox. I'll give you a few buckets and I'll give you the sand. Mix in some water and make your castles and think you're the most beautiful, the richest, the most wealthy, the, the most intelligent. You can think every, you're the most beautiful and the whole world revolves around you. You can have all these, these kind of concepts and you can take advantage of your exploitive nature and forget the love that you and I have for each other. I'll give you full facility for that. But in doing that, he has to place us in illusion. When you take your child into their playroom and you give them that brand new, sparkling, shining, it looks like an oven. It's got a door like an oven. You turn the switch, the lights come on like those are burners. You have to sell them on that this is your kitchen. That's my kitchen, and here's yours. See, it looks just like mine. Of course, the burners don't really have any heat, and there's no real gas coming out. Why? Because, well, if there was, the kid probably wouldn't pass to the end of the day. We are sold on the illusion that this is our place for exploitation. 
And in order to sell it, there's some characteristics of, of us when we're in that exploitive mentality. Our senses are imperfect. We can see, but we can't see everything. In fact, some living entities see better than us or hear better than us. And I guarantee you that little thing that's been running around here can smell better than any of you. Our senses are imperfect. They're limited by the body we're in. And sometimes we have the body of the dog. Sometimes we have the body of a cat. Sometimes we have this body, that body. Sometimes we're a bird flying in the sky and they can see for miles. And when they see the dead carcass down there, they know it's dinner time. We couldn't see that far. Our senses are imperfect based on the body, our bodily situation. Our bodily situation is based on our karma. We have imperfect senses. Because of imperfect senses, we're an illusion. Illusion, we make mistakes. We don't see things for the way they are. And the other problem we have in all of this if we can get something for nothing and the chicks are free, I'll be a rock and roll star. We have a tendency to cheat. For that reason, because of that mentality that we've developed over lifetimes of exploitation, when we come before the Supreme, no matter what the religious tradition is, no matter what you wrap it in, when we come and we say, my Lord, from this moment forward, I'm 100% yours. He's like, yeah, I've heard that before. So generally we have to show him through good works and service attitude. Sevaya. What did the verse say that we're chanting? That, that word is in there, right? Sevaya doing some, some worthwhile service, some worship of both the person and the book Bhagavat. And under the direction of the guru, he helps us progress step by step. He's the external manifestation of the Supreme Lord. And he, in that capacity of guru, being in, 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 infused with that Shakti, that potency of God to train us. He trains us step by step so that we receive from him through those instructions full faith and dedication free of those four defects. The bona fide teacher of spiritual knowledge is himself free of those four defects. His instructions are free of those defects. He trains us step by step how to purify our existence and come up to that platform of no defects. It's a gradual process. It's a scientific process. Almost destroyed to nil means that as we progress spiritually, there are steps of spiritual progression. A Tao, Shraddha, Tata, Sadhu, Sangha, Bhajana, Kriya. A Tao, Shraddha, Tata, Sadhu. Sangha, Sta, Bhajana, Kriya. Tato, Nartha, Nivriti, Shat. Tato, Nista, Ruchis, Tata. 
That's what we have here in that almost to nil. The guru takes us step by step through the progression of spiritual life from faith to the falling away of all our sinful tendencies. This is science. This is not, this is not a free pass. This isn't, I'm going to hang myself up here and you can go on with your sinful life forever. No. Get out of it. Get back to true love for the Supreme Lord. That's the process of self-realization. Not some cheap business with God where you take my sins and I do what I want forever. No. Get me out of this mess. I want free of sinful life. I want free of bad karma. This process given to us takes us up to the stage of very advanced love for the Supreme Lord in ecstasy. Baba. At that stage, the love itself takes us the rest of the way. Does that make sense? In other words, the love itself pulls us to the Supreme Lord. The guru takes us up to the stage of ecstatic love. And then he teaches us how to use that love and Krishna draws us in. That's my little introduction to Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> I recommend you all read Bhagavatam on a daily basis. If only for a little while. How, how are you done yet? I'm uh, midway through the uh, last part of the 10th canto. And you started how long ago? Probably a year and a half ago. See, so it's not a big deal. It can be read. We have an ex excellent example here. Any questions? Sorry, I heard that um, some people say it's best to actually start with the last one. To what? In answer to your question, which it doesn't, we should progress stage by stage in reading Bhagavatam, but it's such a potent spiritual literature. It's like it's not a like sweet, <laughs> it's like a sweet meat, a candy. It doesn't matter which side you bite. It tastes sweet, the whole thing. Again, because of our unfortunate condition in this fallen age, the great sages and saints make it more and more accessible to us. The more degraded we become, the more merciful they become. Mm -hmm. My spiritual master, who rendered Bhagavatam into English... A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, he was very old when he began to translate Bhagavatam. He didn't know how many years he had left in the body. Before he finished the work, at the very beginning of preaching in the Western world to the English-speaking public, he gave the, the very essence of those different pastimes which is the 10th canto. In the 10th canto, we get to hear Krishna's personal pastimes. 
he gave us that in the form of Krishna book. Before he even gave us the whole of Bhagavatam progressively from canto to canto. So, so, the, so the Krishna book is the part of the back part of... Yeah. Krishna book is the tenth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Srimad Bhagavatam is... There's an analogy given there. The Srimad Bhagavatam being a progression where we, we, auto, we automatically, when we think of worshipping God, we start in a very humble position. So we start by we worshipping the feet of the Supreme Lord. And this is in other traditions. We hear you worship... worship you wash the feet of the sages and then... So Bhagavatam is like that, progressing in stages step by step from the feet up to the smiling face. The tenth canto is considered the smiling face of the Supreme Lord. And in the tenth canto, we get very intimate pastimes regarding the Lord in his original fully manifest form. The original personality of Godhead. All the different forms of the Lord have the complete potency of the Lord. Just like I can have one candle, I can light another candle, and another candle. But there is an original candle that began the process. That original form in its completeness and most is Bhagavan Sri Krishna. And his pastimes, which are manifest before humanity for our benefit in his full form, are the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. I'm glad I began at the beginning. I'm glad I began in the 10th canto. <laughs> because when I began, that's all that was available to me. <laughs> and I got my hands on Krishna book. I took it home. Why would I not buy it? George Harrison paid for it. So it was like, hey, a beetle endorsed this. And, you know, he writes there, you know, this is the essence of love. And I'm like, well, I'm a hippie. I like love. Let's see what's in there. You know. So I took Krishna book home after reading George Harrison's little write-up. And I read it from cover to cover in two days. Whoa. Maybe it was three days. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't put it down. Now I could go back and read it, you know, and understand it. I thought I understood it then. Just like Bhagavad Gita, I think I understand Bhagavad Gita, and then I read it again, and it's like, boy, I didn't know anything. But that's God, isn't it? If there's an infinite, infinite means he has infinite qualities, infinite infinite characteristics. So as when just when you think you've got the infinite understood, well... He just expands unlimitedly more. So therefore, every one of his pastimes is infinite. And every one of the narrations provided to us in Srimad Bhagavatam is infinite. What that means is, according to our spiritual qualification, we understand these things in deeper and deeper layers of spiritual realization, self-realization. We become more knowledgeable of our spiritual self because why? Because we're a part and parcel of Krishna. Of course, we're a little teeny, itsy bitsy God, <laughs> and He's the supreme. But still, we're of the same quality. Didn't you mention the eleventh canto or something? Eleventh canto is a narration of a more intimate Bhagavad Gita. It's called the Uddhava Gita. 
practice. And Uddhava's relationship with Krishna was different than Arjuna's. It's another, it's another song of God, Bhagavad, Bhagavan, Bhagavata, Nasta Priyeshu, Abhyeshu, Nicham, Bhagavata, Bhagavata, Bhagavad Gita, the song of Bhagavan, the Supreme Lord, and the song that was sung to Uddhava is called the Uddhava Gita. Uddhava is a very, very intimate friend of Krishna also, just like Arjuna, but not just like Arjuna. A little different. Bring Thank you, Dulal. Anything else? <laughs> Fascinating. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. So much. So much. Good to see you all. Yeah. Now we'll let Archie enlighten you with her week with your guru. Archie, Archie. Come here before hey. I fall asleep. Archie. I can lay down on Do you guys want some halibut and tea? No, thank you. Yes. please. <laughs> I want some halibut. Did you bake halibut? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>